Leslie, thank you. Last Sunday, we began a series on the seven deadly sins. A list written by theologians, some say as early as the 6th century, that contains seven of the most destructive tendencies that we can possess. The order we're going to look at them in, sloth last week, lust today, Anger next week, which is interesting. We have a Shivers family reunion next weekend. <laughs> then pride, then envy, and gluttony, and greed. So, several have commented on the bulletin cover. Uh, and you have to be careful when you Google the term lust uh, to find a bulletin cover. <laughs> and I wanted to begin with a video. And you have to be careful when you... But I found one that I think speaks volumes about our changing world. Junction to Dysfunction Junction in 
our lifetime here, my age. I'm not saying that lust is a new problem. We have biblical illustrations that we're going to use today that are thousands of years old, so it's not new. What I'm saying is that in today's society, we are bombarded on a daily basis with things that can challenge us and confront us and confuse us. From TV shows to even commercials, it can be constant. Knowing the danger of lust, my father gave me one piece of advice, and I've probably shared this with you. One piece of advice when I became a minister of youth in the early 80s, 81, in Aberdeen, Mississippi. My dad had been a pastor for 40-something years, and he was retired, and I was ready for a great piece of advice. And dad said to me, if you take a girl home, make sure there's a boy in the car with you. And I'm thinking, give me something better than that. That's ridiculous. Give me something good. And as I get older, I was 21 at the time. I probably understand better today than I did then what he was trying to convey to me. As I look back at his words, I see how valuable they were and they are. Dad was simply encouraging me to be strong and to be careful because he knew the truth of Scripture. Ephesians 6 puts it this way. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His power. Put on the whole armor of God so you'll be able to stand against the wiles, the plans of the devil. Our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. To help me stand firm, Dad, help me set some boundaries. And in doing that, help me put on the armor of God. 1 Peter 5 8 again warns us discipline yourselves, keep alert. Be smart. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. So in giving me that wisdom, I know my father had seen people fall. You've seen it. I've seen it. Some of the names are so public from the political world. Gary Hart might have been president, except, well, this was a problem in his life. John Edwards, too, comes to mind. From the world of ministry, sadly, there are names in common that we can remember from the Jimmy Swagger situation to the Jim Baker situation. Two of the most well-known of a name of, on a long, long list. There are a lot of biblical examples. Samson comes to mind. I could have played Engelbert Humperdinck today about why, why, why Delilah, but I didn't. Solomon comes to mind. The wisest man in the world who had a problem with but we'll look at David. His story of the king of Israel from 2 Samuel chapter 5. David killed a giant. This one got him. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege in the city of Rabbah. However, David, he stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. 
sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. David sent messengers to get her. When she came to the palace, he slept with her. She just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual time. Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. You know the story. And lust damaged David. And David's on the rooftop, walking around. And we've talked about this before. And he got too close to the edge, didn't he? He got too close to the edge. All he had to do was turn. That's all he had to do. But he didn't. And, well, you know the rest of the story. You know that he had Bathsheba's husband killed. And if you read chapter 12, 2 Samuel, you'll see that David was found out and there were terrible consequences for the rest of his life. His household was in an uproar. But David didn't think of all of that, all of the consequences when he was on the roof. I heard this long ago about lust and it's so true. It'll take you further than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it'll cost you more than you want to pay. Let me say it again. It's worth repeating. It'll take you further than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it'll cost you more than you want to pay. There are so many illustrations from the news. Uh, school teachers and students. Uh, it's just becoming a regular event. And it's sad to see but we've been warned. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, beginning verse 27. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. It's better to lose one of your members than your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go to hell. Jesus is using hyperbole here. Not primarily about the eyes and the hands. It's about the heart. Surely a blind, limbless individual could have a lust problem as well. So it's about the heart. But Jesus lets us know it's a serious issue that has to be dealt with. But his point is clear. Don't Entertain a look. Don't get close to the edge leading to sin. I love how C.S. Lewis paraphrased this verse. He wrote, He that looketh on a plate of ham and eggs to lust after it hath already committed breakfast with it in his heart. <laughs> C.S. Lewis was right. So the best advice that I know of is what my father said. Just don't give it a chance. Our theologian friend Barney Fife would have said, Nip it. Nip it in the bud, you know. Job had a great deal to say about this. Job, in chapter 31, gives us some great wisdom. Job says, I made a covenant with my eyes, not to look with lust at a young woman. For what has God above chosen for us? What is our inheritance for the Almighty on high? Is it calamity for the wicked and misfortune for those who do evil? Doesn't he see everything I do and every step I take? Have I lied to anyone or deceived anyone? 
Let God weigh me down on the scale of justice, for he knows my integrity. If I strayed from his pathway, or if my heart has lusted for what my eyes have seen, or if I'm guilty of any other sin, then let someone else eat the crops I've planted. Let all that I have planted be uprooted. If my heart has been seduced by a woman, or if I've lusted for my neighbor's wife, then let my wife serve another man. Let other men sleep with her. For lust is a shameful sin, a crime that should be punished. It's a fire that burns all the way to hell. It would wipe out everything I own. Job puts it well. He knows the danger. But I love how he began in verse 1. Job 31.1 I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with the lust at a young woman. Made a covenant with my eyes. Remember the song you sang as a little child, Be careful, little eyes, what you see? That is the truth. We always have to be careful what we look at. And yes, we look. But we have to be careful what we do with that look. And we need to make a covenant with the Holy Spirit of God, asking for help every day. And He's promised that He will help us. Look what Galatians 5 says, beginning in verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And so there is help to look to God to guide us every day. Some of you know Jean was out of town this week. She left Wednesday and got back Friday. Well, we have a joke when she's gone because the responsible adult is gone. I can do anything I please, and I call it preachers gone wild. When my wife is out of town, I just go hog wild. Let me confess what I did. I went to Cold Stone Creamery. <laughs> All by myself. Not the little one, not the medium-sized one. I got the big one. Sat there by myself. And they need to give you better spoons. They kind of bend a little bit when you get sat like that. It was fabulous. I also went to an all-you-can-eat buffet while she was gone. And I'm not talking about gluttony today, but it is interesting because of my father's advice and because of trying to walk by the Spirit of God that these problems are not problems for me. Because I've had to deal with them. And I've had to choose what I look at. And I've had to choose what I listen to. 
and Jeannie can go out of town and trust me, except for Cold Stone Creamery, and maybe I'll go to North Avenue. If he'd been gone another day, I'd have been at the varsity. <laughs> it's a dull life, isn't it? But you've heard other stories. When people were on their own, did not try to walk by the Spirit of God. I've had friends fail. I've had people I love fail with us. And it's my joy to tell them that there's forgiveness in their failure. David failed so publicly that people talk about it thousands of years later. But David got right with God after this incident. Psalms 51 talks about that forgiveness. David says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. We all know what David's talking about. David continues, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found when you found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part. You'll make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, I shall be clean. Wash me, I'll be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I'll teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. David's prayer was answered. I'll meet David in heaven one day, and I look forward to it. Of all of these sins that we will go through, sloth, love, anger, pride, envy, gluttony, greed, God has an answer, and God has forgiveness. But from this day on, our Father says, be careful. Be careful with your eyes and your heart and your hand and your mind. Be careful. And he promises that he will walk with us. And I love that. Don't you? Let's pray to God.